Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can find me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco, and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you're a first-time listener or a veteran listener who just hasn't done so yet, be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Megaphone. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we're going to talk about the game against the Chicago Blackhawks, which I don't really want to talk about because it totally sucked, even though it was also kind of good. So, how exactly do you have a bad game that is also really good? Well, in short, the Jets have gotten goalie, which is something that they've done to a lot of teams this season. Chicago is one of the worst teams in the NHL, and they haven't exactly been a dominant force in their own division. Like Winnipeg, they tend to rely on their goaltender. In this case, Robin Lerner has carried the bulk of the work for the Blackhawks, and he's been pretty stellar in net. Despite playing behind a team that is only marginally better than some AHL squads, well, Lerner has had some incredible results. I jest a little bit about the quality and depth of the Blackhawks roster, but when you compare them to other NHL squads, especially teams that are considered playoff contenders at the very least, Chicago falls short in almost every category. The defense is poor, the forward unit has nothing past the top six, it's just a bit of a mess all around. And yet, there's still enough talent being driven by guys like Patrick Kane to make teams pay on the uh, on the counter and on the power play. That was something of the story tonight. Winnipeg very quickly found out early in the start of the first period that you can't underestimate Chicago. They gave up a goal to Alex Nylander, who I said was something of a disappointment last podcast, Jinx, naturally, within the first minute of the game. It was some sloppy defensive play behind the net, but, you know, Winnipeg is kind of known for that already. We've well established that the Jets defensively are leaky, and in their own zone, they just don't handle pressure well. They also have a habit of not knowing where their man markings are, especially in zone coverages with what amounts to depth defensemen playing in elevated roles. I've mentioned that Tucker Pullman has been playing in over his head on the first pair, and tonight that was no exception. Pullman lost track of the danger and got burned immediately, conceding the first goal rather quickly. It's a shame, but I mean, it's not that surprising. Pullman's been struggling over the past several months, and Josh Morrissey really hasn't done anything to help him either. Pullman is definitely not a top-pairing blue liner, and generally speaking, I question whether he really is going to be more than a third-pairing, maybe a sixth defenseman at this point. He's certainly capable of making passes and, and facilitating zone exits, but it has to be against much softer competition in fewer minutes than he's playing right now. It's clear that this elevated role is just not suited for his skill set. He needs to take a few shifts off and not be faced against guys like Kane because he doesn't have the wherewithal and IQ to read the threat accurately and intercept those passes and, and make positional plays. Obviously, the number of people that can shut down players like that is extraordinarily few but it's very clear that Pullman just isn't one of them, unfortunately. Despite the rough opening of the game, Winnipeg very quickly warmed up to the task and proved why the Jets were considered the superior team in tonight's matchup. Once Winnipeg's offense started generating chances and rolling, especially in front of uh, goaltender Robin Lerner, I was pretty sure that Winnipeg was going to tie the game. They were getting a ton of chances on net, and all from very dangerous angles. Lerner had to be at his acrobatic best just to make sure that the Jets didn't immediately equalize. Towards the latter half of the first period, Winnipeg really started to look like the dominant squad, and kept pouring on shot after shot after shot, one of which I really felt like was, was going to beat Lerner, even though Lerner has been very strong over the entire season. Winnipeg has a kind of shooting talent that can nullify great goaltending. Unfortunately for the Jets, you know, Chicago tends to sell out on their defensive strategy by just blocking every shot and praying that it doesn't go skittering somewhere where somebody collects the rebound and deposits it. In this opening 20 minutes, Chicago got very lucky that they weren't equalized or down in the game. 
They frankly proved immediately that they did not belong in the same class as Winnipeg, and they were very close to giving up at least two or three goals on separate occasions. As it was, however, Chicago ended up exiting the period with the 1-0 lead. The second period looked a lot like the first period, where the Jets were again dominant, this time even more so. I don't actually recall when Chicago recorded its first shot on goal. It hadn't done so since, like, the 15th minute of the first period. Winnipeg, I'm telling you, when they're in full flight and in full speed, there's just not many teams that can keep up with their sheer pace and skill. As I've pointed out before, I mean, this team can be really good, really good, and the coaching staff lets the team cut loose and do what it's designed to do, which is be speedy, fast, and create waves of pressure. When the team bunkers down is when it finds itself in the most trouble because, well, this team can't defend to save its life. The area around the crease is an absolute danger zone in its own end, and Winnipeg is just as dangerous in the other end when they're at full speed. For once, Winnipeg really didn't wait to get up to full speed in this game either. Even though their first few minutes were a little bit rough around the edges, they very quickly found their, their skating feet and they were immediately involved on almost every single rush. Chicago was extraordinarily fortunate not to be down something like 4-1 in the second period because Robin Lerner basically bailed them out for the entire 20 minutes. The Jets had glorious look after glorious look on opportunities to tie the game, if at, if not even take the lead, had they actually managed to equalize. Unfortunately, as many shots as the Jets put on net, which was by the end of the second period, 30 shots, they just couldn't seem to find the tying goal or even the go-ahead goal, so, you know, unfortunate. I felt like Winnipeg was kind of unlucky, all told. Their one mistake at the start of the first period ended up costing them for the entire 40 minutes. That said, I'm pretty happy with how the game played in that 40 minutes of, of offensive hockey. I felt like the Jets pressured enough. I felt like they were playing the brand and style of offensive forechecking pressure that would lead to something good. It's not common to see the Jets actually play well, even against teams that are not necessarily strong competitors or challengers. Winnipeg's schedule isn't exactly getting easier after tonight, so, you know, it's good to see that the Jets are at least able to dominate against weaker teams, um, especially because I'll have a couple of teams like that in the, in the coming weeks. Opening 40 minutes, though, of tonight's game, I felt like were a good effort. I mean, this is what you'd want to see. Um, obviously, a, a, a couple of goals would have been nice from the Jets, but if they if they outplay the competition and they can't score, I can live with it to a degree. There are a couple of players who I wasn't really all that impressed with. I feel like Kyle Connor continually finds himself in the wrong positions um, when somebody's looking to distribute the puck to an off-wing or something. For as many goals as he's capable of scoring, it just seems like his ability to anticipate the play and find himself in the right position is not as good as it could be. He has all of the physical tool sets and skills to actually to do a lot of damage if he, if he had the positioning right, but away from the puck, he's still having some issues. Winnipeg's defenders also had the same struggles that they usually do, so I'm not really going to say much more about that. Uh, Mark Shifley, I thought, had a couple of problems, too. He's kind of been mediocre this season, like he has a lot of points, um, which is cool, I like scoring, but the time of him dominating games and controlling them just doesn't seem like it's happening as much anymore. For a while I felt like Shifley was a, truly a top line center and one of the best in the league, possibly like a top 10 center in the NHL. Over the last few seasons my look has kind of tempered significantly, I think that he's still a very talented, very good center. Depending on the day he might even look like one of the best if he's feeling up to it and, and playing at his full potential. But over the past several months, it's just not been there. Tonight, he kind of looked like he was a bit behind the game and, and not on the same pace that we were looking for. Uh, he made a couple of mistakes, one of which I'm going to talk about shortly here. But it's just, it's weird to see him struggle as much as he has, um, because obviously we know that he has the ability to dominate anyone out there. 
it's not like we really question whether or not he has the skills and talent. It's just whether or not he's actually going to find that level to use them all in conjunction and, and get that line going again. Speaking of getting going, though, if you haven't already done your Christmas shopping, check out BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea offers the latest and greatest in contemporary sports moments captured on wearable t-shirts. If you're looking for a unique gift idea, head on over to Breaking Tea and browse their entire catalog. They have the perfect gift for the sports fan who already has everything. Welcome back. If you're wanting to know how the Jets performed against the Chicago Blackhawks in the third period, well, unfortunately the news isn't so great. As is customary for Winnipeg in this game, apparently, they conceded yet another goal within the first minute of the period. This one was off of a Mark Shifley pass that I'm, I'm not really sure what he was thinking. I don't know if he knew that there was somebody behind him, but he got stripped of the puck near the wall and it was fed to a forward breaking out towards the front of the net and no one was anywhere near to stop it, so in the net it went. Just like that, all hope seemed kind of lost. Even though Winnipeg was still playing okay after that goal, it seemed like the Jets started tightening things up defensively. Whenever Winnipeg tightens up defensively, that usually means that they just kind of stop playing offense. And from then on, it suddenly became the Chicago show, which was not really all that impressive, generally speaking. I mean, the Blackhawks are still not that great at generating a whole lot of 5v5 offense, but it was certainly enough to show why Winnipeg really can't bunker down. The Jets just aren't built to play a defensive style where there's like a lot of countering and sitting deep and absorbing pressure. The Jets frankly need to be cut loose and let do their thing, because if they just sit back and try and absorb shots and then counter off of those, they usually get themselves in a lot more trouble instead of actually getting the puck out of their own end. A modicum of hope was restored when the Jets finally managed to actually get a goal. This one came from Tucker Pullman, who'd still been having a rough night, but hey, he's allowed a nice slap shot goal or two every now and then. Ehlers found him alone, kind of sitting high up towards the blue line almost, but more maybe closer to the face-off circles and he just blasted a shot right over Leonard's shoulder. Robin never really saw the shot, so nice goal. Hope, however, is a fleeting thing, and unfortunately Winnipeg uh, eventually conceded just a few minutes later on a power play goal. Their PK unit, again, does not kill penalties. Chicago pieced apart that PK unit very quickly and got a bunch of chaos off of a, a broken stick from Anthony Batetto. With only three guys with sticks, everything kind of became chaotic near the net, and just like that, Chicago took advantage to make it 3-1, and then the Blackhawks made it 4-1 a few minutes later off of a, a very nice Patrick Kane goal. Kane actually had four goal contributions tonight, which is kind of annoying because, yes, he's a good player, but he's also kind of, you know, it's Patrick Kane. There's a lot of reasons not to like him. With that, Winnipeg just kind of seemed to deflate, and I think that that's a pretty good summation of the game so far. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not like the Jets necessarily deserve to win, but they definitely did a lot more in the opening 40 minutes than they got rewarded for. Usually the Jets are the ones benefiting from really lucky shooting percentage and a great save percentage, but tonight they were very unfortunate. Chicago was lucky that they ended up with a two points out of this one. The Blackhawks were just straight up bad for most of the game, and Winnipeg was definitely the superior team for most of the most of the two periods that started the game, and then once once Chicago ended up getting the 2-0 lead, it seemed like the Jets stepped off the gas, and that's that's where the real problem begins. As soon as Winnipeg backs down, they become a different team, and it's clear that they're not equipped to bunker down and shelter. They really need to press the offense and, and force teams into a dangerous forechecking situation, because otherwise the Jets are easy pickings. This team has very limited roster depth right now, and with all the injuries that have been mounting up, the Jets are basically limping along. Unfortunately, Winnipeg really didn't get any out-of-town scoreboard help either. 
Dallas defeated Tampa Bay 3-2 in overtime, and Nashville did scratch out an overtime point, um, even though they ended up losing to Ottawa. The only piece of good news is that the Avs lost to Carolina. The Canes ended up beating them in regulation 3-1, so that's at least a positive development, but the Jets are still now in fourth in the Central Division. The jockeying of teams between 2 and 4 in the Central Division is a real dogfight right now. Every team in that position seems to be decent, if not amazing, or in Winnipeg's case, a little bit inflated. Um, so they're kind of exchanging spots frequently, and I don't know where Winnipeg's really going to finish the season. Dallas is good enough to maybe make a push of some sort. I don't know how good they are, but they're certainly more capable of, of getting sustainable results more so than the Jets are. Colorado is kind of average past their top six, um, but if they get enough saves and, and get enough scoring from McKinnon's line, they should be okay. They only have to worry about, like, the Jets, maybe, or, or the Preds down the road if somehow Nashville recovers. I don't really think that the Preds are going to be much of a threat this season, though. They might not even make the playoffs at this rate. Kind of like the Sharks, Nashville has an issue getting saves. And uh, Nashville overall is a better team than San Jose is. I mean, San Jose is very leaky on the back end, including in net. But the Preds also still have, have issues creating a lot of offensive opportunities that they convert on. They've started converting on some opportunities in recent times, but again, I don't know that they have a whole lot of elite and goal-scoring talent. As I've said before, I put Nashville in the pretty good bracket, but just not really cup contender bracket. Outside of, like, Washington, maybe Tampa Bay at times, um, Montreal when they're feeling like it, and Carolina, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say who's actually a Stanley Cup favorite this year. I don't really think anyone out in the West is pushing for the title. If Vegas ends up getting on a hot streak again, they could be dangerous, but there's just not that many Western teams that I really feel confident backing. The Eastern Conference this year is absolutely the stronger of the two, and most of the cup contenders are all centralized in the Metro Division. In some ways, Winnipeg is probably fortunate that the Central Division is so close because they have an easy opportunity to move up the standings as need be. They are definitely in the hunt for first place, if not second, but I just don't see this team really doing all that much beyond, you know, top three at most. Top three finish in the Central would be pretty good for a team that's basically being held together by, by shoestring at this point. All in all, I, I don't know. This game against the Blackhawks feels kind of indicative of how the season has gone. Winnipeg is capable of playing well. They showed it tonight. They didn't get the saves that they were probably hoping for, even though I don't think Hellebuck really could be faulted for this loss. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Jets just aren't that great of a team. They're sort of middling, mediocre, sometimes really bad, depending on the day. And they've dropped a lot of points to very bad teams over the past couple of months. So, I don't know, to be honest, the Jets just don't take care of business against the teams that they need to, which is kind of important when you want to start building up a playoff lead. To close out tonight, I'm going to change gears a little bit and talk about the new Star Wars movie, which debuted tonight. Um... I have a lot of thoughts about this film. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm going to keep this one pretty spoiler-free, but I will give you a broad sense of some stuff that I kind of found troubling with this film, as well as the highlights. I think the first thing to note is that the production quality of this film is sky-high. I mean, this is a gorgeous, well-choreographed film with some incredible battle scenes and really breathtaking views, especially on the alien worlds that our main characters visit. There's so much lush detail, which is pretty pretty characteristic of the Abrams uh, Star Wars films thus far. They all have very painstaking attention to detail, and they're attractive to look at. The battle sequences are full of lots of chaotic action, tons of explosions, some really tight choreography, some great stunt acting. It's just a, it's a pleasurable viewing, that's for sure. The soundtrack is also very well done, as per usual. Um, on the presentation side, everything for Star Wars really does check out. 
This is like the typical film that we've seen from the past couple of entries. Where I do feel this film kind of struggled was sort of in the, uh, ultimately in the writing. I think that they had trouble figuring out a, a competent way to close this after um, the past couple of films have sort of been contradictory and a little bit all over the place. Which, in the first two films, I actually didn't mind. But I think that in trying to rewrite that history, this third film stumbles around a lot. Kind of like how Game of Thrones didn't really seem to know how to close things out, it seems like Abrams also didn't know how to really close this franchise out. And I mean, there's like 40 years of build-up, so obviously closing the Star Wars trilogy out is very difficult. I think this is going to be a polarizing film because a lot of people are going to really like it and enjoy it and think that it's like a perfectly nostalgic, entertaining experience and what they wanted from it. There's also going to be a lot of people who are disappointed because it's going to feel like something of a missed opportunity. And I'm probably more in the, the latter camp than I am the former. I don't like saying that I hate certain parts of it, but there are definitely some elements of this film that I felt were just straight up really poor. I think that they maybe did away with too many side plots in the interest of trying to condense what feels like almost two different movies uh, down into one two and a half hour epic. I think Abrams in a lot of ways wants to reject Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi and put his own spin on things. The problem is you also can't really say that The Last Jedi isn't canon and then try to overwrite all of that with this new film. Much like Winnipeg's quality of play, this, this lack of continuity and consistency on a moment-to-moment -moment basis can be very jarring, and I feel like in a lot of ways this final film feels a bit like it's been stitched together. There's not like a sing single cohesive element that I can really trace, and I feel like the plot occasionally meanders. When you contrast it with the way that The Mandalorian meanders through its own plot, which at times I was like, this is a little too unfocused, I think you get a different sense and pacing from, from the film versus the series. The Mandalorian seems very comfortable taking its time doing a lot of world building and guiding you by the hand along until it starts building up the main plot towards the end of the, the season. With The Rise of Skywalker, I feel like the movie just sort of rushed things along and had to gloss over a lot of plot points that were deemed to be unnecessary to the larger story. Um, characters who were introduced in previous films really don't play much of a role in this one. It's a shame because I felt like the past several films have done a lot to establish this sense of, of unity in a place, and The Rise of Skywalker kind of does away with some of that. It doesn't go away from it completely, but it definitely doesn't have enough time to fit everything that the previous films incorporated into one feature-length film. Some of you may have been expecting this because I don't know how you even try to close a franchise a story to Star Wars down in, an, in a satisfying way for everyone. You just won't. But I do think that the critics were kind of right on this one. This, for me, is a very clunky film, and it's a little bit disappointing. It's a bit of a letdown. Is it as bad as the Game of Thrones conclusion? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I think that the Game of Thrones closing was... Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about that one too much, but um, I think that this one is disappointing for very different reasons. I, I'm not like a Star Wars diehard, you know, but I, I do enjoy it. I'm a big sci-fi western and, and space sci-fi kind of guy. That's why I've been watching The Expanse a lot recently. And of course, a lot of us grew up on the Star Wars mythos incorporated as part of our daily pop culture references. So to see it kind of close out in a way that feels more like a whimper than a bang, yeah, I don't know. I think that they made a lot of concessions to try and make everything work, and I'm not sure that those concessions were really appropriate or needed. Hopefully, future entries in the Star Wars universe kind of figure out that you need to have more of a clear direction and a plan going into something like this before you just tell everyone, yeah, you can do whatever you want. If you want to make a crowd pleaser, at least make it a bit more coherent than this series. I think that 
the Marvel Universe generally has enough consistency on its own to prove that that is the, the absolute formula you want to follow. Now, that being said, I'm not sure that Star Wars needs to make a crowd pleaser every single time, but this is now a, a series that's owned by Disney, so that's what they're going to do. They're going to leave their more Mandalorian-esque entries for their Disney Plus TV service, which I think is fair. But as far as the cinematic film experience goes, yeah, they're definitely going to take some, some more conservative approaches. Hopefully the next entries are a little bit less divisive than this one. Either way, I'm sure you'll find something to enjoy about this film because there is a lot to like. Even though I, I have been a little bit harsh on this, the plot and the script and the writing, there's a lot of other stuff that I did enjoy, so I hope it's what you want it to be. And with that, I thank you again for listening. I hope you guys are following and subscribing on your platform of choice. And with that, good night, go Jets go.